0: specific to parents raising twins, triplets, and more. Learn more, subscribe to the show, or connect with Paul at TamaCapital.com.
1: This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Tama may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.
2: As a parent, do you see raising your kids as an opportunity to improve yourself? Does being a parent help or force you to change the behavior you want to model for your kids? Todd Adams is a regular dad trying to do extraordinary things. While maintaining a full-time career, he and his wife, Kathy, started Zen Parenting Radio over 11 years ago, a podcast that helps expand compassion through the lens of a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. But being a dad, Todd wanted to focus and help other dads be better. So after a long weekend with a group of his guy friends, Todd launched Men Living, a nonprofit committed to improving men's lives through connection a consistent topic among parents and health experts i speak with is that modeling the behaviors we want to our kids to see starts with self-awareness the ability to take our own temperature and realize what direction the pendulum of life is currently swinging is a critical first step in self-awareness as todd points out we need to pause and notice events without judgment to develop the ability to lay down our defenses and realizes that our spouses or partners are here to help us. Finally, Todd and I touch on the hot topic that all parents are dealing with, how to manage electronic devices with our kids. Todd lays out three steps he has learned and uses with his three daughters, which could help you and your family. Spoiler alert, the key is flexibility. Please enjoy my conversation with Todd Adams. Todd Adams, welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet podcast. Thanks for having
1: me, Paul. I appreciate the opportunity.
2: Yeah, so um I was having a conversation with with Kathy Adams, your wife, uh back in probably July and August and at the end of that conversation, she was pretty persistent like you've got to get a hold of Todd and have him on the show. And so I was uh I was very excited to 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 get you to have you back on and get your perspective when it comes to uh zen parenting uh all things zen parenting i should say and and, and get your background uh sure. which i think i think our audience is going to really uh enjoy uh getting to know you so
1: yeah sweet um yeah we've been at it a while now and um we just keep going. We've been doing it eleven years. Um, so yeah, I, I I guess wherever you want to go with this time together, obviously there's a lot of different interests I have. Zen parenting is the one that I probably spend the most time on. But I also am an advocate for healthy masculinity, and I'm um, I run a men's organization. But I am at your disposal. Wherever you want to go is where where I'll, I'll go.
2: So I'll I'll link to my conversation with Kathy in their show notes. But but I think why don't you start. Our audience with with what your background is and how how you kind of became part of Zen Parenting Mm. and what Zen Parenting is.
1: Yeah. So Zen Parenting is a podcast. Um, My wife wrote a book way back when called The Self-Aware Parent. At the time, I guess this was probably around 2010, she was on uh, another podcast and the podcast was not as mainstream as it is now and um Kathy's like I was on this thing called a podcast and I think I want to start my own podcast so she talked to some co- some podcast coaches out there and they said they helped her set it up but the one thing they said is if you really want to be successful it might be better if you found somebody to do it with because um just one person talking for an hour might get a little boring so As the story goes, without even consulting me, she threw my name (laughs) in the list, and I didn't even know what a podcast was at the time. Um, But, and that's why we call it Zen Parenting Radio, because at the time, if we called it Zen Parenting Podcast, nobody would have known what it was. But at the time, I was, um, you know, I've been with the same company for 27 years. Actually, today is, I think, my 28th anniversary, and I work as a sales rep. For a company that sells congratulations, Thank you very much. <laughs> I work as a sales rep uh, to um, companies who make pre-stress, pre-cast concrete. So that was, that's my day job. Um, but while in the younger part of my marriage with Kathy, I just, Kathy has always been a voracious reader and a personal growth person. And at the time I was just kind of working and drinking beer and hanging with my friends and being the best dad i could and i realized that she was kind of like evolving as a human being and i found myself kind of staying stagnant and i decided that if i want to get on this train in this marriage i probably want to get on it so so she asked me to just have a conversation with her because we've always been big fans of kind of like heavier deeper conversations in the kitchen our kids sometimes get annoyed at us because they don't think we stop talking so she's like will you do it with me and i said i don't know what it means what podcast means but yeah we started that 11 years ago and we just recorded our 674th today as a matter of fact so
2: and and for our audience um you have three girls right
1: yeah three daughters one in college two in high
2: school okay i think one of the the interesting things that I wanted to start with, so I'm glad you kind of led with this, is you have a day job, but yet you committed to Kathy to you know, start this project, if you will. A lot of people that I, I talk to in my family office, um, I know they have aspirations, dreams, if you will, to do something else, but they don't necessarily know how to get started or they're just paralyzed by fear. mm mm-hmm. Walk us through, like how how you made that determination on your own or conversations with Kathy to say, "Okay, look, I'm going to keep my day job going and and obviously you have while still being able to do something like this because yeah. it's still an effort. It may be an, uh, a labor of love, but it's still it still requires labor, yeah,
1: yeah, that's a good question. And I think it's different for everybody. Um, I'm a certified life coach also, and my first certification was with Tony Robbins and one of the things that he said was if you want to take the aisle and burn the boats. And in this metaphor, it's, if you really want to go be a podcaster, quit your job and just be a podcaster. I do not subscribe. I have, you know, I know, I know you're a financial planner. I have baggage. I have shadow around money. I have baggage around money. I have this fear that it's all going to be taken away from me. So I know that if I would have quit my day job and decided I was going to be a full-time podcaster and make as much money as I can, um, while trying to support my wife and three daughters, I would have failed miserably. So it's funny. I was just listening to your podcast with Dan Pink and he talked about what's your passion. And, um, and it was wonderful interview, by the way, I recommend anybody who listens to your podcast to go back and listen to that. But what I realized was the way I am wired is I am kind of risk averse. And I think in the interview, you said that you may be risk averse as well.
2: You know, I'm smiling because obviously our, our our audience can't hear me smiling, but I am because what you're walking through is the, part of the conversation I had with Dan, I felt the same way because I had a very successful corporate career going. And then all of a sudden, I I, I have a set of newborn triplets. The day that I the triplets were born was the day I launched my family office firm, my, my financial planning firm. And I too was not risk adverse to say, okay, I'm going to give up this high paying successful career to throw caution to the wind and then, you know, start my own firm. And so I, over the course of almost, let's see the triple to be 12 this year, I've been in the business full time almost for five years. Mm -hmm. So for the first seven years of Tama, Mm -hmm. um, I worked full time and did both. And Mm. there were a lot of nights that Teresa really wanted to bring my neck, kill me, if you will. And I'm like, just be patient. It's going to work. It's going to work. And I'm glad that we did it together because, you know, we wouldn't be where we are today without each other's support on that.
1: Mm. Yeah, for sure. It's for me, it needed to be incremental uh, over time and um there's a elizabeth gilbert who's an author that you know eat pray love she's done a lot of books she wrote a book called big magic and one thing i remember from her from her book i never read it what i do is i talk to my wife because she reads all the books it takes i read like four books a year she reads like four books a month so i'm like all right what's the deal with this book and she's like if you're passionate about something um you it's it's unfair to the passion to put Um, All of the eggs in that one basket because it will inhibit creativity, freedom, flexibility. And that that's the way I'm wired is like I can't burn the boats to take the island. I need to have my foot in both of these worlds and I continue to do so like I still get most of my income from my day job but I would be doing this podcast. We make a little bit of money in advertising, but it's, there's not much there. We just do it because we love doing it and we're not going to stop anytime soon. Although we have been doing it 11 years and our kids are getting older and it's going to be weird if and when any of my daughters decide to be a parent. Like I don't think Zen Parenting Radio might be the best title if we're grandparents. So maybe <laughs> I'll eventually turn to Zen Grandparenting Radio. And it's just weird to even think about that as a possibility because I still feel like I'm a 22-year-old idiot trying to get through this world
2: yeah no i I think there's a lot of similarities between both of us on on that front, Todd because yeah, I was the same way i w- I just couldn't just burn the boats and you know i I started the emotional balance sheet podcast almost two years ago, and I didn't know how it was gonna do. I just knew that I was a big podcast consumer myself, and after writing a Basically, what was amounted to like a weekly column or blog for almost eight years, and not getting a um, uh, uh, building an audience or something going viral that people knew knew who I was or what I was talking about. Um, You know, I opted like, okay, I want to give this a try, and it's been great because in the last two years, I've probably gotten more feedback, both positive and negative. You know, both both sides of the street with the podcast than I ever did when I was just writing and mm-hmm. I just find that I have here's the secret the podcast is really for me mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's me wanting to have conversations with people like you when it comes to parenting or their careers or um you know medical topics college planning the 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 podcast is really has nothing to do has very little to do I should say with financial planning which is what i do mm-hmm. it's more of the life planning that i think people miss the boat on when they think financial planning and think only dollars and cents mm-hmm. so i just i i find our how our backgrounds are are intertwined pretty well
1: yeah for sure and i just want to honor the fact that you kind of bridge this like oh are you going to be a podcaster to talk about in being an emotional available parent or are you going to be a financial planner. And you've like made this wonderful bridge between the two, which is strange and kind of awesome. Like I I got another coaching certification from an organization called the Conscious Leadership Group. And we're there to kind of teach corporate leaders on how to be a good leader, to be a conscious leader. And um, there's a part of me that has wanted to like quit my day job and just go do that. And my wife is like, well, that's kind of a scary move. She's like, Why don't you bring some of this conscious leadership stuff to your day job? And I feel like for me, it seems like you and I are doing a lot of the same things is like, what are we most interested in and how can we make it all work instead of having to pick a lane?
2: Yeah. And I think going back to that conversation I was having with with Dan Pink and, and to your point as well on that topic is a lot of people think that they should just go and do what they're passionate about. And I am staunchly against that. And I think that that whole metaphor, if you will, got popularized by the Steve Jobs, Stanford uh, mm-hmm. commencement speech, um, you know, probably close to 20 years ago now. And I think what, what I try to emphasize to people is go find what you're good at, because finding what you're good at is going to make you happier and going to drive you to do bigger and better things.
1: Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, like what makes you come alive. You know, it, there's another quote. I'm kind of a quote freak and sometimes to a fault, but don't ask what the world needs now, ask what makes you come alive because what the world needs is people who come alive. And my guess is you get excited about having in, interesting conversations with people through a podcast forum and um I think if we could all do that, you know, just to kind of bring it back to parenting, you know, what I want for my kids is for them to if they can figure out how to uh, monetize um, what they're passionate about or what they what makes them come alive or what they would be doing if nobody was watching, then they're off to the races. Uh, the problem is our conditioning is, you know, there's work and then there's play or there's work and then there's things that you're interested in. And my hope is that, uh, my three daughters can figure out a way to like, you know, one of them's in college, two of them are in high school and in the high school they have, you know, we go to a high school, she goes, they go to a high school where they can kind of like junior and senior year, you could start choosing certain classes, like weird classes, like pottery or debate or whatever it is. Like just take whatever classes that you're excited to go take. Don't do it because it's going to look good on a college application um, you know, we're not really into, you know, high school being just a vehicle for a college application. We want it to be a learning experience for our kids to explore things they're interested in. And same goes for my daughter. Like right now, my, my college age daughter, I think her her major right now is, um, uh, foreign it's, it's something about social impact. I should know what this is. I'm not a good dad. I'm judging myself <laughs> right now as we speak for not knowing my college age daughter's, Uh, uh, major, but it's something like a global citizenship with a social impact. Like I don't even know what that means, but it totally fits with who she is. So like, just go chase that. And you know, I know that there's exceptions where if you want to be a lawyer, you got to take certain classes, or if you want to be a doctor. So I understand that sometimes you do have to follow a track. But if you're not on one of those tracks, just take classes you like. That's my in imitation to my daughters and if there's any other parents out there that are like well I know they should do this but they really want to do that just let them go do what they want to do.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really key point of of that blending between what between work and play and things that you're interested in because I that's it's one of the things I'm trying to sh- I'm trying, and uh, Teresa, if you're listening to this, I'm still really trying. And, and people, uh, most of the audience know Teresa's my wife, but I'm trying to get my kids to understand that point as well. And because they they see how much I work, I work a lot. And but I, as I was explaining to one of them, and probably Teresa just the other day, and I I say this a lot to him, like I really enjoy what I do. I mean, I I love what I do. I love taking care of my own family, but I love taking care of other families Mm. as well. And I'm hoping that they see that, that, that there can be joy and work just like there can be struggle and work. And right now I feel like I'm family because I think they, they, they take all the, my bad habits and don't take a lot of my good habits right Mm
1: -hmm. now. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I think you and I, I'm, I'm figuring out that you and I have a lot of similarities because You know, I was cultured, I was brought up in this world to know that as a man, my job is to provide for my family. And the way I provide for my family is to work really hard. And the way that I work really hard is to get on my computer. And there's times when I fail miserably as a dad. And I know my daughter had a hard day, and I have a choice to either go up and support them and sit in this discomfort of somebody I love being really sad or mad or afraid, or I can go to my computer and check off a bunch of emails that I need to get to. And, um, there's times when I make the right choice, but there's so many times where I still make the choice that's easiest to me. And I feel safe when I'm in control. When I go up to my daughter's room and they're struggling, I don't have a lot of control in that, nor should I. Whereas if I'm checking off emails, that's, that's a really safe, easy, comfortable place for me to reside. So, um, I'm not going to beat myself up too badly, but if I have an addiction, it's being addicted to productivity. And, you know, my wife and daughters have heard this numerous amount of times. And the only way for me to get through it is to keep it in front of me and talk about it and say, yeah, I know I, I, I could have done this better. So, um, that's one of my biggest challenges as a dad is, um, you know, and some uh, productivity isn't that bad of a, of a vehicle to kind of like feel safe. Some, some guys go to booze, some guys go to porn, some guys go to the gym, some guys go to, um, you know, any number sports. Uh, my, my vice is productivity. And it sounds like, oh, what a great thing to do. If it's at the expense of the people that are most important to you, then it's a problem that needs to be looked at with some curiosity.
2: Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, you're, you're right, Todd. We have more, <laughs> more, more uh, uh, in common that we think. Cause I, I feel exactly the same way. Like if, if I have an addiction, it's, it's, it's to work in productivity. Um, let me, let me circle back on on uh, kind of this point where, if when you are talking with with people or you know fathers about or, or mothers about how to how to strike some kind of harmony between keeping your day job going and chasing something that you're really interested in, what do you what do you say that to those people? Like what what advice do you give? So
1: if there's a person that is stuck between, should I quit my job or should I keep, or should I move in another direction? I, I, Part of me even judges myself because I feel like I'm so risk averse. There's a part of me that's like, oh, maybe, you know, cause risk aversion is, is, could be a good thing. It just depends on how much risk cause you don't want careless risk. Um I think it's, just a constant measurement, introspection on what feels best. And for me, what feels best is to take calculated risks, put myself out there. And I've done that plenty of times in my career, my day job, and then these other kind of, I guess, moonlighting jobs that I do. I, 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 I would caution anybody to not to, to be too safe. Like if we're, being too safe, and we're just kind of letting life kind of control us, and they, this is just the way my life is, and I'm not going to step outside of my comfort zone. Then I would say for that, that's a problem for most. Some people like the the consistency, but I if I think it's about where is the where is it where is the lack of change coming from? If it's coming from, I just know myself well enough that this is not a good idea. Then absolutely. But if it's coming from just fear of the unknown, then, you know, that's what makes us feel alive is like taking some leaps. You know, there's another quote out there, I think my wife has it in her office, leap and the net will appear. Like that's a scary thing to think about. Um, and there's plenty of places in my life where I have leapt and I hope that the net is there. And sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. When it's not, though, there even that's a learning experience. Like even if I fail miserably, like what we want our kids to do is what we should be doing, which is embrace failure. Um, Jessica Leahy has a book called The Gift of Failure, which I love. It's one of my favorite parenting books. And I think as parents, we're always trying to keep our kids safe. And uh, and I I think that that is a problem. We need to model what it means to uh, take risks. You know, if we want our kids to go walk up to a group of people that they don't know and make friends with them, but we're not doing that same thing, then that's pretty smug advice. So for me, for parenting, this is kind of a long-winded answer to your question, but I try to expend most of my parenting resources to model the behavior that I'm hoping to cultivate my kids.
2: So kind of staying on on this parenting topic, and I think this is one that we probably have both experienced and in, in talking with some of my my younger um family office clients you know we we all lead extremely busy lives as parents especially with all the activities that kids are and can be involved in and i've over the years i've really changed my vocabulary to really strike out the word balance because i don't think balance exists anymore i'm like you're some days you need to be really focused at your work other days you need to be really focused, you know, on your, on your spouse, that relationship or the relationship with your kids. And, but I think there's, there's some kind of, I think the word I'm using more of is, is harmony. Mm-hmm. And I know that you and Kathy have talked about this quite a bit on Send Parenting Radio and um, Kathy's book Send Parenting, but how do you, how do you harmonize all these big blocks in, in big blocks, meaning parenting, your career, your relationship with your spouse or partner, and and those things that get you fired up that you 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 want to try, these other interests that you you have. Um, how do you how do you go about step by step, like creating some harmony to where it's not overwhelming? because I, 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 I see I talk to so many people with so many parents whether you have twins, triplets, you know, one kid, two kids, three kids, it doesn't matter. I think we're all we're all in the same similar situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an unbelievably good question and and one that I will spend the rest of my life trying to figure out, but for me, I'm with you. There is no such thing as work-life balance. Like there's not, but for me what it is is having the ability to check in with myself to find out when I'm out of balance. So there's times when I'm having too much fun and I'm going on too many vacations or I'm spending too much time with my family and I'm letting my work suffer as a result. So I need to be aware of like, okay, the pendulum has swung too far one way. In my case, usually it's the other way though. I sometimes take life way too seriously. I work way too many hours at the expense of, the relationships that mean the most to me. So it's having the ability to become self-aware, which is something we always talk about on Zen Parenting Radio is self-awareness. And for me, self-awareness is just pausing and noticing what's going on around me without judgment. And there's, you know, when I am on, autopilot, I'm not pausing at all. I'm not spending any time looking inward. I'm not spending any time looking at my situation with any sense of curiosity. I just know there's something that needs to get done and I go do it. So I'm kind of like just in this pattern that I have a hard time getting out of. Sometimes I can kind of check myself like, okay, so yes, I am way too far this way. Um, I'm lucky enough to be married to a woman and she does this to me about once every six or nine months. And she'll say, um, sometimes she'll literally put her hands on my shoulders and say, I know you think you're here. I know that you think that you are present with this family, but you're not even close to here. And it's at a time when I'm not traveling for work. I'm in the household, but she's like, you are completely not present. And when that happens, my first instinct is to get defensive. Like, what yes. are you talking about? I am here. What do you, and and I'll start um, defending my position and, and giving my supporting arguments against what it is that she's saying. That's my initial reaction. Um, but then if I really do pause and know that Kathy's really trying to help me. And if I can look at this, like, what is this situation here for, to teach me? Like, you know what? She's kind of right. And it's hard to admit that when your partner's right. And she's not always right. There's times when you're like, you know, she, she's like yesterday, she's like, are you all right? And I was actually having a really good day. I was just a little more quiet. And I'm like, yeah, I'm actually fine. So it doesn't mean I like give away my power to her saying, yeah, you're right all the time. But if I can cultivate the ability to just pause and look inward, like what's going on in my emotional state? What's going on in my body right now? um, Am I feeling stressed? Um, As a guy, I'm taught not to feel any emotion at all. I just, the only emotion that is acceptable in our society as men is, uh anger um can i feel my sadness can i feel my fear can i feel my joy um and all that requires self awareness or presence you know whatever word you want to insert into that and it's a daily moment by moment practice and one that's really i judge it's harder to do for us guys than it is for uh our female counterparts
2: yeah i would i would agree with that as well it the I, and i think trying to show different th- those different kinds of emotions to, you know, Teresa uh, to my kids is probably one of the hardest things that, that I, I do because the easiest thing for me to do is get angry. <laughs> and that, and that's something I've been working on for years. Uh, and Teresa, if you're listening to this, hopefully it's getting better, but um, it's, it, it is a, it's a, it's a struggle. And, but, I think with, with me and other parents, especially fathers, I've talked to that face, you know, similar challenge inside, we, we know that we want to be better fathers, better spouses, better partners. Um, And it's that driving belief that helps to have us on this continuous improvement journey, if you will, that never, never stops. Mm
1: yeah, there's and I just want to be clear. there is nothing wrong with being angry. it's a it's a human emotion. But for me, it's can I express the anger in a healthy, conscious way? Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm being very reactionary and just spouting off to my wife or my kid uh, because they said something I didn't like, I don't think that's a healthy expression of anger. I think that there's other ways of expressing anger, and it could be, Maybe it's pausing until I collect myself and then I have a conversation with my kids. Maybe it's me going outside and running around the block. Maybe it's me going to the gym or maybe it's me practicing yoga. Like my challenge and what I try my best to model and help other parents or men experience is like every emotion is absolutely valuable uh, if we can express it in a healthy way. And uh, most of the time, It happens. For me, I usually don't express it in an unconscious way. I just stuff that. I don't know if we can swear, but I just stuff that crap down. And um, and when it comes to parenting, like Kathy and I used to do these presentations. And one of the first questions we would ask is, what do you want for your kids? And everybody would raise their hand and say, I want them to be happy, which is great. That's an admirable thing that we want for our kids. But where I am is I want my kids to be whole. I want them to be able to experience all these different emotions in a healthy way. And, you know, it sounds great in theory, but try it. Like it's not easy to be holding space for somebody who's expressing anger. You know, I have three younger daughters uh, in their teenage years and um, it's easy for me to say, yeah, I just want them to um, express their emotions. But if they're expressing their emotions in a really, um, angry filled way, whether it's directed towards me or a friend, something that happened at school, it makes me uncomfortable. And can I sit in that discomfort and hold the space and say something like, I'm so glad you're sharing this with me versus trying to problem solve it or trying to troubleshoot it or trying to get them out of that emotional state. Like it's a really healthy thing to be able to do that. So,
2: yeah, (laughs) it's, it's really interesting. You made that last point because that's something that, as a as somebody that wants to solve problems when I'm having these conversations with you know Teresa or my kids, I shouldn't be trying to solve the problem. I should just be there should be there just to listen mm. because really, that's probably all they need and want me to do is just listen.
1: Well, that's relationships one on one, and not to say that I ha- I have it down perfectly, but now I will ask Kathy if she comes to me with a problem, and I'll be like, "Am I am I?" Because there are moments where they're like, "No, help me fix this." Yes, yeah. And I'll say, "Am I wearing my problem solving hat right now, or am I just holding the space for you to share what's going on inside of you?" And ninety five times out of a hundred, she's like, "Just listen to me." And don't listen to me while you're looking at your phone. Right. And don't listen to me while you're looking out the window, like really connect with me. Um, Listening is such a important skill that I think most people, including myself, are not very good at. Um, And then just reflect back what it is that you're hearing. Like what I hear you saying is that you had a really bad day at work today. And that's really, really hard. Now, the weird part, when I say stuff like that, there's still a part of me is like, how is this helping? (laughs) How could this kid? The way that we help is to help you fix your problems, but I have done this enough to know that holding the space, not getting reactive if it is about me, to reflect back their words in a in a normal way not where it's like too therapeutic um that's all that most people need um so yeah that's that's an important lesson in relationship one one for sure
2: one of the one are the really specific questions that that I wanted to have or wanted to ask Kathy during our conversation and didn't get to, which is another um, point of contention that a lot of parents are, are facing, especially with, with kids, the ages of my triplets. So my triplets will be like a 12 in in December is electronic devices and phones. Mm -hmm. And I know that you and Kathy have, have touched on this topic, you know, often on, on Zen parenting radio, but I I wanted to ask you like what, what insights do you have from your own personal experiences, raising your three daughters with electronic devices and people that you've had on your show talking about electronic devices and reading about electronic devices. There's, it, it's all over the board. And it's, I, I think it, it's, it's a constant um, battle that I think parents are are dealing with. And then our own situation a lot of times I've had to rely on, especially during the pandemic, which is, you know, a whole another issue is that I've had to rely on these electronic devices as, you know, part-time babysitters, if you will, where mm-hmm. I know I still have to get work done. Um, and that's, that's the only way that I know how, because I know that they will keep their attention, mm-hmm. but I, I worry about it. Like I've, I've read screen time studies before where, you know, one study will be like, no, it's, it it's not as bad as you think. Others will say it's terrible. It's like th- there's there's lots of data out there to prove either sides of the of the point. I I think.
1: Yeah, that's that's probably the question that we get most often. And I would love to say I have this like quick solution for you. That but I don't. Damn for it, me, Todd. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, from you know, I always default to role modeling. You know, I have my phone right here, and the only social media app that I still have is. Facebook and I check it maybe once a day for about five minutes um but I have seen parents give really interesting advice about their kids even though they're not modeling the same thing I do know that kids have a tendency to have more screen time than we do but my first check is how am I modeling this and if you happen to be a really wonderful role model and you don't get on your phone and you don't um, you know uh, you don't uh, spend a lot of time on social media. You know, kudos to you. That's step one. The second one is okay. So then, when you do interact with your kid, trying to create healthy boundaries around it for their own well-being, from what place is this coming from? So, in other words, if I'm screaming at my kid saying, "You've been on TikTok for ninety minutes, and I can't believe kids these days," and blah blah blah, um, I, I think I have a lot of empathy for our children because this is not we never had to deal with this right and these this device is designed to zap us this game the this technology is designed to um remove us from being present at all and you know think about it if we can have a device in our hand that can check our email connect with our friends like it's really seductive and the algorithms are you know i i actually get on youtube a lot too and like they're really good at figuring out what i'm going to like and enjoy. Like I, I watch a lot of sports and like, there's all these wonderful things that I'm like, Oh, I'd like to see, you know, Jordan's last shot from 1990, whatever it is. So the second point, Paul, for me is when you do set up the boundaries, if you're setting them up from a reactive place, it's probably going to end really, really poorly. Um, It's parenting. Isn't so much what we say to our kids. Uh, I should speak from my personal experience. Parenting for me, it's not so much what I say to that. My kids it's from what energy does it come from and if it comes from a really reactive judgmental place it's probably going to land kind of poorly um and you know it's so i hear it so often like kids these days aren't the same blah 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 if i was 15 years old and i had access to i know fortnite's a little dated but fortnite sounds like an amazing game if i was 15 years old yeah um tiktok is really like it's I would be consuming the same way that they are. So for us to judge them is, I think, problematic. So if we can go, like, even say to your kids, like, I get it. I understand why TikTok is so addictive. Like, if you can maybe meet them where they are. And by the way, I see that your consumption is getting a little out of balance. What is something that we can decide on together to set some rules up? Um, And, you know, they'll, they'll forget or they'll they'll go back to their default and then you guys got to have another conversation and it's over and over and over again so i don't know if that helps but that's what's coming to me
2: yeah no i i completely agree with you i i try and this is where i've been trying to pivot over the last 6 months is is to put myself in my kids' shoes like if i had this when when we were their age like i would be all over it all mm-hmm. over it and i think my my struggle is is they, I know what I'm modeling. They see me on my laptop all the time, and like even when I'm reading, I, I'm like Kathy. I'll read like four four books a month. What am I reading on? I'm not reading on a hardback anymore. I'm reading on a Kindle. Mm-hmm. So they they know when I'm reading because they see the Kindle most times, um, and they know okay, Kindles for reading. That's what Dad's doing. Um, but I think when when I'm when I'm ready to pivot and 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 be fun, Dad and want to go get them involved in something that's when it's a struggle because they're like, no, I'd rather just keep playing my game or doing this on my electronic device. And that's, that's where some, the, the, the rubber meets the road, the friction happens where it's like, ah, it's so it's, that's where it's kind of like devastating. Like when Teresa and I are up, we were, we were up North this past weekend and, for the most part, it was just her and I sitting on the beach, talking and reading without our kids because the kids didn't want to come down to the beach. I think one came down for twice for a couple, you know, hours, and that was it. I'm like, well, Teresa and I both said to each other, I'm "Like, you know, is it is this over now? <laughs> Have we lost? I'm like, mm-hmm. is this is how it's going to be." <laughs> mm-hmm. And it it's that I think that's the the challenging aspect of okay when I when I am ready to do something with them on my time it's not necessarily on their time
1: that's so fascinating so the fact that you caught yourself like all right so the my example i think i said this in the podcast a few years ago but i was taking my daughter to a lacrosse practice every twice a week for like a month and i'd be like all right that's going to be our time to bond and i do i wasn't cognizant of the fact that they she spent all day at school and school's like well school's easy compared to being an adult school. For me, I I have like an adult view of it now. Think about what school is. School is like seven or eight meetings in a row that you really don't want to go to. Like, I don't have that many meetings in a row that I don't want to go to. So she's had all day in these meetings where they have to like sit there and listen and not move and uh, try to pay attention with their phone right next to them. Like that's, that's not an easy day. And then it's lacrosse time and dad wants to connect and have these like heart to hearts. And she had no interest in it. And I was like, no, this is our time. Like I should rephrase that. This is my time that I want to. So you have to be, and that's the thing as parents, we need to be flexible. Like it'll come when you're like tired and it's nine 45 on a Thursday night. and You've had a long week and they're like, you know what, dad, I've been struggling a little bit with this class or with this uh, friend's but I'm like, oh, it's nine forty-five. I'm so tired, and I just want to watch Netflix. Like, that's when we gotta like. That's when we earn our money, even though we don't get paid to parent. That's when we earn yeah. it. Can we, can we step into that space, not on my time schedule, but on theirs? And the other example I'll give is, you know, I, I, it drives me nuts. Like, it's like right now it's September sixth, and we're about to go into this, you know, really beautiful time of the year with the leaves and like let's just go let's just go in the forest and let's just we we'll walk around the forest and my kids make fun of me now like dad we don't want to go into the forest <laughs> like what an awful thing but for me like and if going into the forest and just being with the leaves and the trees and the sky and the birds is that important to me i don't need them to go do that so what i try to do now is i'll i'll invite them and if they don't want to come there's times when i'm like all right you're coming but most of the time, I'm going to be me and I'm going to let them be them. And I know people are going to be like, Todd, that's not the way to do it. We got to like mold our child in such a way. And for me and Kathy, we try our best to just be really curious about who our kids are, who they are here to show up as. Um, and, you know, the technology thing is is a really, really big part. It's a struggle. It's There's no two ways about it. So.
2: Well, I think I I could keep this conversation going on for a long time, but, but I, I want to get. I have two two last things I want to touch on. The last topic is: Can you walk our audience through um, the nonprofit group that you've created, um, Men Living? Like, how that started. What's its purpose? What is what is it about?
1: So Men Living is a international men's group and we meet virtually um, anybody who wants to show up can show up as long as you identify as a man. And it's an opportunity to connect authentically and vulnerably with other men. And the genesis of it was I went on a golf weekend when I was like 30 years old and I Kathy and I went to the same school. So she knew the guys that I went on the golf weekend with. And all we did was drink and gamble and golf. And it was a wonderful weekend. And I got home exhausted after three nights with my friends. And she's like, how was the weekend? I said, it was great. She said, how are the guys? I'm like, they're great. She's like, what's going on with them? And I realized at the end of that weekend, I didn't have a single moment of authentic or vulnerable connection. All we did was make fun of each other. All we did was compete against each other. Meanwhile, Kathy will go out with her girlfriends for a few hours and know everything that's going on, relationships, career struggles. And I just kind of saw this, I kind of had this vision like, wow, is this what my friendships are going? And I would love those guys from college and I would do anything for them. But I just realized this is not the types of connections that I want to have with other men. And um, for me, um, the quality of my life is dependent on the quality of my relationships. And my relationship with my wife is awesome, but I think it's too much to ask my wife to be you know, my only true, authentic, vulnerable friend. So what we do is, uh, and it started out in my living room with me and like four other guys. And we came into my living room and we had a, just a discussion about what was going on in our lives. And we didn't have beer there and we didn't have ESPN on, and it started there. And then it has since grown into this international men's organization. We have men from all over the world. We have seven or eight programs every week, virtually. We have a lot of in-person opportunities um, in the Midwest, because that's where I'm based out of and it's just a um an invitation to any man uh listening or any woman that's listening that has a man in their lives um to connect with some authenticity because the um you know the term that i use is the man box i grew up in the man box which means i am only as good as how many trophies i have in my trophy case or how many girls i had sex with or how many how much money i have in my bank account and it really doesn't talk about the essence of who i am so Um, that is in essence what it is. I mean, we do a lot of different things, but it's just an opportunity to connect, um, with other guys in an authentic, vulnerable way. So,
2: and I'll I'll make sure to, to put a link to that, to men's living in our, in our show notes. So, you know, guys, dads out there, uh, definitely check that out.
1: Yeah. There's Um, no commitment. We don't ask for any money. It's just, we create a space on zoom uh, run by certified facilitators too. And sometimes there's four guys there. Sometimes there's 20 and we do breakout rooms. Uh, some men show up every week. Some men show up once a year. They just, they come in whenever they want to or when they feel like they need some support or uh, need to connect. So um, that's what's kind of good about it is there's really no commitment at all. Just check it out. And if you like it, stick around in a way that feels friendly to you.
2: Awesome. So let me, um, that'll bring me to my, my closing question that I ask all my guests, um, which is what is the best thing about being a parent?
1: Hmm. Yeah. Um, that's easy for me. parenting is an opportunity for when I parent, there's a mirror being held up to me about all the things that I have not worked through about all the things that I need to learn. So for me, it's not really a teaching experience. I do a little bit of teaching, hopefully mostly through role modeling. But for me, it's about your kids, my kids will give me whatever lesson I happen to need in that moment. And maybe it's tolerance. Maybe it's loving without condition. Maybe it is getting curious about why I get so mad when they want to be on their iPads all day. Like It's a constant inquiry, self-inquiry for me of how to uh, be the best person I can be. Um, one example that I have given in the past is, you know, one of the ways that my, my kids have taught me, you know, back in the old days when we used to walk them to school, uh, especially when they were really young, like when they were toddlers or preschool or first grade, they would walk to school and they would be looking at the ants on the ground, or they'd be looking up at the trees. Whereas I would be trying to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. And what my daughters taught me in those moments is, Take a breath and look around you. Um, and you know, these lessons just keep coming to me and and as they age, the lessons become different. but um, yeah, for me, it's just a constant learning about myself. the The motto that we have in the in the podcast that we say every single week is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. So for that self-understanding is self-awareness. So I just want to keep understanding myself um, my triggers, my reactivity, my blessings, the gifts that I have to offer. Um, it's really, uh, just trying to be as self-aware as I can be, uh, for myself, my family, my kids, my community, all that good stuff.
2: Well, Todd, like I said, I could keep going on and on, but I think that's a terrific way to wrap up our conversation. And I'm, I'm sure this won't be our last one.
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to be back. And I appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk about some of the things that uh, make me come alive. So I appreciate having some time with you. Thanks, Todd. All right, take
0: care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Please visit TamaCapital.com to subscribe to this podcast, or to connect with certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, Paul Fenner of TamaCapital. And please join us again next time on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast.